Hello and welcome to the Next Steps podcast from Citywide Baptist Church. We're recording this podcast on the 11th of October. You'll be hearing it on the 13th. My name is Matt Henderson. I'm one of the elders at Citywide Baptist Church. Joining me is Mitch, one of our youth leaders and a member of our teaching team, Dan, one of our pastors and our senior pastor, Matt Garvin. And we're here because of God's grace. It's through God's grace that we acknowledge that the First Nation peoples on whose land we meet. We acknowledge their care of country, land, oceans and water. We acknowledge elders past, present and future. We acknowledge past injustices. We also acknowledge the need to work towards reconciliation with and through Jesus. Thanks, Anne. Um, well, we had a, a bit of a different kind of message on Sunday at Citywide. Um, and yeah, here at the Next Steps podcast is where we like to delve into what we're talking about in church and wrestle with it and go deeper. Um, Matt Garvin, um, tell us about what we talked about on Sunday. Yes, well, obviously it was a different kind of message. I was uh, pre-recorded from uh, Bendigo. I was able to watch it live and taking communion with the kids as we uh, are here and, and uh, I'll be recording the messages for the next few weeks, having to adjust to uh, this new reality. But we, we, because it was our shoebox Sunday, we took the chance to talk about what it means to cross cultures and think bigger. Uh, and there's a specific question that we as a church have, not every church has, in that uh, one third of our church members don't natively speak English. Uh, and that's a little inconvenient because when we, we also had a church meeting on Sunday and that means we have to have translate things and there is cultural differences. And, and uh, I finished the sermon on Sunday saying that uh, I believe that there is a heresy in the Christian church in the Western world uh, that church should be here to make you feel comfortable and make you feel happy. And if it's no longer making you feel comfortable and happy, you should go and find a different church. You see, I actually think the church is meant to be the opposite of that. That's what we're talking about on Sunday. The church is meant to be black and white, old and young, rich and poor, held together by a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we talked a bit about culture. And, uh, on, and we put up a, a, an iceberg diagram and, and that helped com communicate a little bit of, of what uh, culture is about. And, and link that to the tree diagram we're talking a fair bit about with our uh, current sermon series, although this is really part of our current sermon series, and how much we are shaped and formed by culture and what happens when cultures come together. It is much more convenient if there's one dominant culture that everybody adapts to, but it is clear, and part of what I was saying in the book of Revelation, uh, it's clear that at the end of time, there's going to be every tribe and tongue and nation. There will be different cultures. And even one of the things I didn't say is that right at the end of the book of Revelation, there are still nations that leaders bring their, uh, the, bring the glory of their nations to Jesus. There are still cultures, even in the new heavens and the new earth. And so the job isn't to get rid of culture, but to become aware of it. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about the first Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. Uh, and we talked about the fact that Paul says, 
from now on, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor, nor is there male nor female. You're all one in Jesus. But talk then about uh, what, what does it mean if we, if we are all equal, but we are different. How do we cope with that? We talked a little bit about 1 Corinthians 8, which we'd already talked about when we dealt with Corinthians. So there's a, there's a whole lot in there. And for us as a church, there's a whole lot of levels to it. Um, but even just starting and, and, and realising that culture exists and shapes what we think more than we can even be conscious of. And, and, you, and you become conscious of it as you start to meet people from different cultures who think and act and talk a little bit differently than we do. So that's probably the, the nutshell of what I was trying to get across on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Mitchell, you've actually had the experience of growing up in a church community that is multicultural and, and uh, diverse. So, uh, more than anybody here, um, we've all come into that community, but you've actually kind of always been in it. Do you want to share your experience of that? Of that? It's, it's been really amazing, actually. And I think it's actually been a great builder for me in a way. And just that I've grown as a person from being surrounded by so many different kinds of people with different backgrounds and different culture and stuff like that. And I think it's really uh, amazing um, to simply just be around other people that aren't like you or don't think the way you do or that, you know, maybe have different ways of eating or, or whatever. Um, but I think what we saw at the camp was amazing in that we had two totally different uh, cultures, uh, Clyde, that are quite different, but obviously have the similarity of loving Jesus. And um, yeah, it's just been amazing. Mm. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Anne, um, yeah. what's your experience been? Um, I've been growing up in New Guinea and then spent time in other countries where I've lived in other countries. I have actually been immersed in other cultures as well. And I know for me, I've really been grateful for that opportunity um, that my life has given me to actually experience differences. And in some ways, I am myself, um, when, like, when I came back from New Guinea, I came back into a school environment where kids had been together for ever since kinder. And I was coming in at the end of grade six and or grade five. And um, and that they had their groups and they knew how to interact with one another. And I came in and I was a stranger. And oh, I was that person from New Guinea. And it actually took me a year to be accepted. So it was kind of like I've actually experienced some of that being the outsider and um, and learning what it means to be in a different cultural setting because life in New Guinea was very different from the life I ended up living in Australia. And then when we went to Saudi Arabia, a very different life again from the life I live here in Australia. But it was... It's, it's made me appreciate the, the depth of different cultures and what we can learn and grow from and love about different people and about the importance of being accepting. And I really love that we have um, our Nepalese brothers and sisters with us and um, what they offer and contribute. And um, I look forward to more of what we can learn from them. And I love that they are willing to learn from us too. Mm, thanks, Anne. 
Uh, Dan, like from a parental point of view, like you're a dad with with young kids. What what's it like shepherding shepherding kids through through this sort of multicultural, diverse community that we find ourselves in? Yeah, I, I think in some ways <laughs> the kids don't notice. Like, mm-hmm. for example, um, yeah, in my daughter's class, there is people from all different nationalities. And we go to birthday parties and, um, yeah, it's, it's just pretty normal for her to, to experience that, which is very different from, from myself growing up on the northwest of Tassie, um, mm. where that wasn't the case. It was actually, for me, it was um, when I moved down to Hobart for, for uni, it was actually a bit of a shock or <laughs> in more ways than one. I, I remember driving down um, Macquarie Street and, mm. at, at like, 6 o'clock and seeing people um, out on the street and I was like what are people doing up at this time of night <laughs> on the northwest all the shops would be closed and no one's on the main street at that time of night um, and and so to then be at university and, and have um, obviously the foreign st- students and and um, to then experience that life it was, it was refreshing it was it was great because I think for me, as someone that knows that we're all created in the image of God, and, and I love hearing people's stories, so then, you know, hear from different um, situations, and then as yeah, pointing out right now, Matt, that that for my kids to to just have that as normal is really nice, um, and it's yeah, I, I think it it does take take work. It doesn't just happen accidentally, but um, yeah, it, it's a good thing to to be multicultural and, and have that experience mm. thanks dan matt from a leadership point of view you know like um, what are some of the challenges that get presented in a community like ours well i, I think the the iceberg diagram we shared on uh sunday is particularly helpful for me in thinking about culture uh because most people would see culture being the the obvious things like the the arts uh the, i love here in the nepalese sing and and dance and they have these songs about the joy of the lord where they actually look really joyful it's fantastic uh and the the food i mean the nepalese food fantastic so I, I do like the butter chicken uh very very good and, uh, but the, they they do de-spice it for us westerners uh their celebrations, the, the, the way people behave, clothing. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there that is obvious, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. And it's actually the stuff under the surface there uh, in, the, in the iceberg diagram. And again, apologies for people who are listening to this. Uh, but uh, the, the, underneath the, the, the water level, there are things listed like values, customs, uh, roles, like what roles men play, women play, boys play, girls play, uh, what roles a church leader plays, uh, how status works, who's right to influence, um, uh, the rules about how things are meant to happen and what, what things are okay and not okay. Uh, even the way people think, their fundamental beliefs, the traditions that we don't question and perceptions how we how we actually see things all those things are profoundly influenced by culture and so this is where the rubber hits the road when it comes to leadership because when even when you're starting to have a conversation uh, the way the words are heard are 
filtered through the lens of how people see things on the basis of culture. Uh, and so one of the, the we can really, I love having our Nepalese brothers and sisters with us. And I, I, I so appreciate all the obvious things. Um, but I think this is where Jesus said, this is how people will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. Because it's not normal for people who see the world differently, who understand roles and status differently, who have different thought patterns, follow different rules. It's not normal for those people to be together. And that's where the, the, the challenge is. Like, Quite frankly, uh, our brothers and sisters in the Nepalese church do see things, there are things that they see differently. And that some of it, it's taken four or five years for those things to become more obvious as, as we gradually, because even one of the things I've had to learn, uh, in, one, of the, uh, one of the things I learned going to Canada and now connecting with the Nepalese, in Australia, if people like you, they just call you by your first name. Uh, in the, but in the Canadian culture, if they respect you, they'll use your title. And in the Nepalese culture, they certainly will use your title. And, and there is something, uh, as, as the senior pastor, uh, just turning up at the Nepalese celebrations is, is really valued. And in a way that it's not valued in Australian celebrations. And so I'm having to learn that within the Nepalese cultural context, I actually have a different role as senior pastor than I do in the Australian context. Uh, and, and different expectations about what a, a Christian is and what they do. And there's a whole lot of differences that... Uh, that raise a whole lot of a whole lot of potential for conflict. It take a whole lot of courage and honesty and wisdom uh, to have to work through. And that that for me, that's where that that uh, iceberg diagram is helpful in just naming some of the the questions that have to be worked through with different cultures. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Um, Anne, I don't know if you have any thoughts on on what Matt was just sharing there. Um. Well, one of the things that, um, you know, how I like mind pictures at different times, and one of them um, that I have is I was, walk, I was walking along the beach and one, of the, one day and what struck me is that place where the sea meets the sand. And as I thought about it, I thought when you have a shoreline, it is more than just the sand. It is more than just the water. You can't have one without the other, but they are actually very different. And it's where they meet that you get the most churn. So sometimes things will be quite, you might have a very calm day and, and the, the, the sea will, will gently kind of lap over the sand. And, and other times it'll be stormy and you'll get this churn and and, and, and everything will get murky. And I think it's in that interface. But when you look at that interface in that ebb and flow of tide, that's where you see all kinds of life. You see crabs and, and you see the birds come in and do whatever they're gonna to do to get what's in underneath the sand. But more than that, you see the color and you see the movement and, and there's this level of um, energy and there's this dynamic quality that is really special at that where sand meets sand, sand meets sea, sea meets sand. And it seems to me that that's 
that's where it's a, like a, an analogy to how we are when we have cultures meet. We are meant as the body of Christ to be one. And, and we're part of a church that is one. But we are different. And people have different characteristics and form into different groups. And it's just like the tiny rocks and the sand particles that form, um, you know, the shell particles that form the sand and the water droplets that form the sea and a bit of seaweed and everything else. But our individual attributes shape us. And I think about myself. I'm a woman. I am a woman who now lives in Australia, but I've lived in other places. Um, I'm a mother. I have all of those things that come together to be who I am. My father came from Holland. When he came to Holland, he had a Dutch kind of identity. And then he had to come in and learn what it meant to be part of an Australian group. And it takes time. And it seems to me that we can live some of our lives um, just in the groups with, with, with whom we identify. And um, other times, and we can choose how much of that, and we might actually choose to just ignore everything else. But then the other times when we can come into contact um, with people who are different from ourselves and we must interact with them. And just like at the point of where sea meets sand, where those different identities meet, and I, I will let other people talk in a moment, interactions can be creative or destructive. They can be, there's churn and friction that can give way to conflict or it can give way to um, cooperation. It's where we can have communications that cause misunderstanding or bring mutual understanding. It's where acceptance can create safe places to learn and grow from each other. Or it can be places where um, we want to dominate and um, make destructive conflict zones where beauty and hope disappear. And it seems to me that as the body of Jesus, what we are called to do is to make the effort, and it is an effort sometimes because we have to rise above our own understandings, to be creative, to be cooperative, to work at and take the energy and time to do those things, to work toward mutual understanding, and to create those safe places where we can do those things. And to, we will, we will have conflict at times, but it's how we diffuse conflict and work toward diffusing conflict. So for me, that sea sand picture is important. And that's what I thought of when Matt was talking. Yeah, thanks, Anne. I actually think that's a perhaps a helpful uh, way into a broader conversation, which is something that I've been thinking about while we've been talking in that we've been talking about this stuff in the paradigm of uh, what we've got at Citywide with uh, two different cultures coming together to, from, from, you know, two different nationalities, but really this is a, a bigger, a bigger thing. It's not just about uh, race or, or gender or, or, or whatever. Um, it comes back to what we've talked about before in that um, you know, we, we, we're not the same. We're all different uh, and we all bring stuff, but we're one church. And um, yeah, I, I just, I don't know, um, Dan, 
as someone who's involved in lots of citywide um, moving parts, lots of citywide teams and, and a lot of the front facing stuff, how, how do we manage this one but not the same tension in our community, in our church community? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good question. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why I value so much when we read the letters and, and, and it's the church leaders there trying to understand the context of the church and how they lead into those contexts. And, and I really value and what Matt raised, um, Garvin, about um, the, the church council. Like for me, that, that's a really important process of the church going, all right, we really need to get together here, hear the voices that, that are on the ground and that are the forefront and, and how do we together work together, listening to the Holy Spirit, uh, to to find a way forward and and it can change it can shift and, and that's why it's so important to be listening to god in our in our context so like you say with all the different areas at citywide um with there's so much complexity we're, we're a community hub with with multiple con- congregations where we're yeah trying to work out this thing with the with the nepalese how do we be one church as well as online there there's so many different areas that we we need to be guided by the holy spirit and I'm so thankful for our, our eldership and, and our people in, in leadership positions that are, that are not just rushing around trying to make this happen, but actually listening, right? How do we make sure Jesus is, is honoured here and, and, and listened to and, and we're doing this stuff to, to glorify his kingdom uh, instead of just trying to build our own kingdom or our own empire um, because that's when these conflicts and these things... It, happen um but when we actually slow down and go what together discern what's god doing in this um and and what's the most important thing that we should be doing here then i i think that's when we see um maybe that more calmer um seashore coming together than what can often be the friction um if we're trying to do it in our own strength and just trying to make something happen uh when god's not at the center of it hmm Mitchell, I'm just curious, like a, a lot of what we're talking about here, it, it sounds very messy and, and, and hard. I'm just interested to hear a young person's perspective on, on this stuff. Hmm. Well, for that whole time of hearing you guys talk, I've, I just wanted to ask a question. That is, I think for a young person, this applies to everyone, I guess, in a way, what do we actually practically do to achieve this? Hmm. Like, does it just involve conversation and relationship uh, between, you know, people of different races or ethnicities or whatever? Or does it involve just a bit more and more time or what is it? It's a great question. Um, Matt Garvin. Yeah, well, it's the question that is right at the centre of things. And, and it takes two sides. Uh, we're, we're experiencing it as we work with the Nepalese congregation. Um, they, generally speaking, uh, would have more restrictions around what it means to be a follower of Jesus in their culture. Um, so for them, uh, Christians wouldn't drink at all. Uh, and, and they would see that as a pretty central thing. Uh, whereas in the Australian culture, it's not, as, it's not as simple as that. For some Australians, there is a real clear prohibition against drinking, but... Uh, it's certainly not culture-wide and certainly uh, in our church, I reckon at least half of our church members would drink. And so, so it, it's a really good example of a, 
of, of a conundrum that is brought about by these two cultures colliding. Uh, and there's Siri uh, giving her two cents worth. Very helpful. Uh, and uh, and what it takes is, is kind of what I was saying on Sunday is grace on both sides. The and this is what the Jerusalem Council was about. Like the the first mob that went to the Jerusalem Council were accusing these people, saying they're not following the the Book of Moses. And and either side, like the Australians could look at the Nepalese and say they're not showing grace. They don't understand. Or the Nepalese could look at the Australians and say that they're not looking after their bodies as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're making choices that are bad. You know, you could easily do that but in order for this to work uh, both sides have to show grace to the other and not only show grace but have to choose their behavior so it doesn't negatively impact the other so that's the one corinthians 8 thing so uh what it means for the australian congregation is if the nepalese congregation are involved and and for them uh the, that for them hospitality they might be offering a glass of wine or a beer they actually have to choose to restrict their freedoms to care for the Nepalese congregation and similarly uh, for the Nepalese congregation they have to fight against the part of them that for integrity's sake would want to say you can't be a Christian and do that mm. and and it's neither of those things are superficial so it's not so so conversation is important but there's this grace giving and also self-limiting choices that mean I'm not going to fight for my rights. I'm going to be conscious of the impact of my behaviour on others. And, and this is just true between Australian and Nepalese, but, it's, but it, it, as more and more cultures engage and people from different backgrounds, it's, it's actually something that is so countercultural because we live in a society that says you should do what feels right to you, which means that we, we are living in a society that says you should damage other people. Um, so anyway, that's, that's the, the stuff that's off the top of my head and sort of where we are, some of the questions that we're facing together as a church at the moment. Yeah, and I, I, I would add to that, um, like I was sort of saying about broadening out the conversation, I mean, it, it works in all things. I mean, look, um, I have two children who are, who are on the autism spectrum all right now that sounds like a completely different issue to two cultures but it's really not i mean there's how to how do i how do i as their dad help them get accepted well there's the thing of that you want people to have the grace to accept them obviously like that's the that's the thing that everybody looks at right oh we should accept people who are different and that's correct but as matt was saying i've got to have the grace to sometimes educate and explain differences to other people to, to sort of say like, well, this has happened because of this. And because a lot of, a lot of intolerance comes from people just not understanding or being afraid of something. And, and in addition to that, so there's the tolerance side of things and explaining, but uh, another example would be, we have some people who are visually impaired, you know? Mm. And so, and so we have to actually keep working and fighting to say, how do we have the words displayed on a screen so people can see them who are visually impaired? Or how do we have an environment that is safe for uh, young people with autism? 
Yep. So we have to be prepared to limit our choices for the sake of other people. And so, so it, it raises both though, that the need for grace and the, the willingness to limit your own choices are, are, are essential. And like you're saying, not just for culture, but no. for any kind of community. Anne, did you have anything to add to that? Um, I mean, I think it's a, that practicality of how do, how do you actually make things work when you've got differences. And let me just, I think there's an example. Well, I think I can give it as an example. I think different cultural, people from different cultures can have different senses of humour. And, um, and so um, somebody might tell a joke um, or and, and instead of it coming across as funny to another person who comes from a slightly different culture, and I'm thinking of a particular example here, um, I was um, I was talking with a group of people who were in New Guinea. I'd gone back to visit um, with the area within, in which I was born, and they were saying that they had a German person staying with them. You know, a very different kind of humour to. Um, some of the others there who were from other nationalities. And he he had a way of talking, he, he was wanting to joke with them, but he said things that offended them in the process because they didn't appreciate, they didn't understand that what he was doing was actually um, joking, just fooling around with them. And, um, and their way of, their sense of humour, again, was different from his, and he hadn't appreciated the difference and I think what you were saying about sometimes we need to say we need to be honest and upfront but also we as individuals we need to actually make the effort about well where are these people coming from what's are they and and if they do take offense then learn from that lesson what is it that caused what I said or what I did to hurt and offend them um, and that might mean actually having a difficult conversation and difficult conversations are never never easy um, things we want to enter into um, for either party but it is it's about being and that's where Matt was talking about being thought oh Garvin about being thoughtful and considerate and um uh, being willing to step beyond ourselves with a grace and an empathy. It, it is about being willing to try and enter that other person's world and see the world from their perspective. And um, that takes effort. <laughs> it takes time. It can actually, it, it means you have to listen and be observant. And I think it also means you've got to be willing to say sorry and mean it. And that sorry is not just words, it's actually then by your future actions and what you do. Well, it's it's interesting, thanks Anne. It's interesting what you were saying there about having difficult conversations. I feel like that, that runs really nicely into um, what Matt talked about on Sunday about church shouldn't be comfortable. Um, Matt, I, don't, I wondered if you just wanted to just unpack that a bit and we'll talk about it. Yeah, well, like I said, I believe it's a, that's a heresy. Uh, and it's a heresy that's grown out of the church growth movement that said you should work out what your target market is and work out what they like and build a church around that. 
uh, and then measure your success by bums on seats. Um, I, and, and as part of that, actually, the, the book that uh, called Understanding Church Growth by Donald McGavran actually said you needed to isolate a, a, a demographic, like rich white people or poor black people or, and, and target your church at them. Uh, and it was, in my view, that's a serious, serious heresy because the church, if that is what you, if your church is people who think and talk and act like you, it's not the church. Uh, the church is, right, Jesus says our main evangelism strategy, people should look at us and go, what? How, how do you guys hang together? You know, it's by our love for each other that people will know we're his disciples. And it's not that big a deal if you're only hanging around with people who think and talk and act like you. So I, I, I think it's a serious problem in the Western world, a serious problem with church. Uh, and, and we are, and it's part of our culture. So when things get uncomfortable, we go and find another church. Uh, rather than do the, have, as Anne was saying, the difficult conversations. So I, I think we've got to learn to, to be a church that is more uncomfortable because that is how you grow. What, one of the things that Paul is clear that the church is meant to be is a place where you grow. And you don't grow if you don't face your mess and face it. And you don't, there's not a real way to grow in a comfortable way. Growth always is a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. Thanks, Matt. Dan, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, yeah. I, I just find this line of uh, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is something that I'm I'm learning to really live with. Um, because when we're following Christ in our life, He calls us into things that are uncomfortable. The things that He says in the Gospels are uncomfortable sometimes to hear. And um, yeah, it's hard to get my head around um, why people would, yeah, would, would leave if, if they're not feeling this is a church that's making me feel comfortable because that's not what church is, is about. And, and I'm just so um, thankful for the opportunities I've had, even though I don't feel comfortable doing them, that have helped me grow. And, and that's why I'm always encouraging others like, like Mitch, putting him in situations he doesn't feel comfortable with. Um, but he, thankfully, afterwards, he comes and thanks me that that was a great opportunity to grow. I mean, even me right now doing this podcast, I, I much prefer listening to people and I love hearing people's stories. And, and I'm not one that in, talks or, or I find it hard to get my thoughts together. But I, I know that that um, my experience might help someone else. And, and that's what I find um, listening to other people. I love hearing their experience that helps me then in my context. And, and at a church, we get a unique opportunity to hear experiences from different nationalities, different ages, different experiences in life, like you were saying that with your kids, to then understand a better way of our reality. I was just thinking then that, you know, I, I enjoy playing um, PlayStation games now and then, and, but I understand that that's a level of escapism. And I think if you only go to a church that you feel comfortable with, and, and therefore, I think that's a level of escapism. You're, you're not getting a real understanding of reality um, if you just go where you're comfortable um, and, and avoid the hard work of, of growing in yourself and in some ways coming to understand someone else that might be different from you. Like I said, I think church is a great opportunity to actually experience that. 
Can I just say something else too? Um, I think when conflict arises or uh, misun you know people have misunderstandings or they get frustrated with, um, th then when you're in that position, it can be very hard to rise above it and, and move beyond it. And it take it the emotions are so strong. Um, and as and as Matt was saying earlier with that diagram, there are values and other um, and attitudes that drive that, which are very deep seated, and um, and and so at the same time that you might be trying to work things out with the person where there's a difference, if that's your choice to do, and, and as God's people, we're asked to make that effort. Um, at the same time there'll be a personal journey because what does that mean for your values what does that mean for the things that you might not have even really thought about because they're just part of who you are from the moment you were born kind of thing and growing up and being socialized into a particular way of thinking and being and now you've got to confront things in yourself um so I think what's really important, and this is why church community, being an authentic community is really important, and it comes back to what we talked about at the church camp, is that others who are maybe not quite where you're at, but can be, um, can be there to hold each of those people who are in conflict with one another. Um, and, and, and maybe bring some different perspectives to share in a, in, you know, truth and lovingly into that and be, be the mentors or be the listening ear that allows that person to actually express where they're at. Be the person who um, can share that confession of, of, of where that person's at and bear the burden and, and and help them and help them learn forbearance and what that looks like for their particular situation. And this is where community isn't just about one person or another. It's about um, others at different stages in their walk and their maturity growing and, and putting you know protection and, and support mm. around others. Um, and it's easy within community for the opposite to happen and for gossip and for backstabbing and everything else to happen. But what Jesus calls us to do, and as Matt Garvin said, it's by our love for one another. And sometimes we need help from each other to do that. Yeah, thank, thanks, Anne. Mitchell, I'm just, uh, I'm just interested. This, uh, this whole idea of, um, of an uncomfortable church and uncomfortable community how does it how does it sit for you um yeah the idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable it's it's an interesting one i think from a young person's perspective i think we can often get caught up with noticing that something's uncomfortable and then fleeing from it or you know leaving from it or just seeing that something's hard and wanting to be comfortable and wanting to find something that is easy and I think that that can sometimes just be because we may not be as experienced or may not have gone through certain things that make us realize that going to the other side of that is really worth something. Um, and I think, yeah, I think young people 
we really need to start focusing on getting through that and noticing that despite it being hard, we really do need to keep trying and keep doing our best to really, I guess, achieve things in the church and outside the church that will, uh, you know, reap uh, fruit. Thanks, Mitch. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot about different things, but one of the things I just want to bring us back to is Jesus's example. He chose people for his as his disciple, you know, who, who were his really close um, group of disciples. And he could have chosen people who were all the same, but he didn't. Um, you know, he chose this despised tax collector. He chose this rather impetuous fisherman. He chose, um, you know, a, a man who had been quite militant in his opposition to the Roman occupiers. He chose a whole lot of different people who came with a whole lot of different ways of doing things and, and we see in the gospels as the story plays out that they they did they rubbed up against each other and they there was friction and and they disagreed and they lobbied and um and Jesus knew what was going on and he'd come along and he just insert himself into it and say now what were you talking about and then in loving kind he, he, what he didn't do was sweep it under the carpet He'd actually bring it out, but he did it in a way that enabled them to still feel loved and still feel and able to grow. And, um, and it can't have been comfortable at times, but um, it, I think it's worth it, all each of us returning to G, the story of Jesus and his disciples and seeing some of that, the way that played out, because I think we can learn lessons from that. And um, I think before, um, as we you know, if we, I came across a prayer on one occasion, and I don't know where I came across it from, but I would love to share it if that's okay. Um, it says, Lord, make us one. Do not make us like them. Do not make us like us, but make us all more like you. And this, I think, comes back to um, you know, some of the things been when we were thinking about Corinthians. It's about seeking to become more like Christ, to let the mind of Christ settle into our thinking. And as that happens, then we are going to be able to, not out of our own strength, as Matt Garvin mentioned at the beginning, but through the work of the Holy Spirit, become more like Christ and therefore more able to be the one rather than the us and the thing. Hmm. Thanks, Anne. Um, Matt, can you give us a bit of a preview on what we're going to be talking about next week? Yeah, well, after our two-week detour, we're back into uh, what it means to really grow in faith. And uh, talking about what, it, what does it mean to recognise the truth that God wants us to recognise in our own lives, recognise the underlying beliefs that get in the road, recognise the stuff that both holds us back, but also the, the strengths we have. And uh, that's what we'll be looking at. We've started by talking about the fact we need to have space and you won't recognise anything unless you have space to reflect. But now we want to talk about once you have space, how do you actually hear and what do you do with it? And that how do you discern truth and how do you get past all the, the blind spots we have? So hopefully... Uh, it, people will find it helpful as we take this journey around this this uh, 
diagram we're, we're putting to people that this is these four things are the things that help us become more and more like Jesus. Mm, great. That's, that sounds awesome. Well, this has been the Next Steps podcast. I just want to say thanks to all the members of our panel here. Um, you can find this on uh, YouTube or on your podcast app of choice. Please leave us reviews, comments, questions. We, we want your questions if you've got them. Uh, please share the podcast. And um, we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us.